Denver suffered worse. Right. They were in the late fives already, and now they're in the like the late sixes, early seven range, right? Which is Let's just say it. It's preposterous. It's preposterous that things went up that high. So a lot of people who are trying to buy their first home just are looking at the market now, and they're going, it just isn't going to happen. So what does that mean for us as the real estate investor? Well, affordable entry-level homes, if we're seeing activity in the entry-level home product, the first-time home buyer product, that's where we got to be focusing our efforts. Right. Okay? And that goes for whether you're a, a real estate agent, you're a wholesaler, you're a flipper like we are here, you've got to start looking at where the market is going to be moving. Check, check, one, two, one, two. Turn it up, turn it up. Welcome to the Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. The tides are turning, the time is now. Your home for the mindset, methodology, and tools needed to invest in foreclosures. Don't you dare buy a house, buy a deal. You need to get into this right now. Right now, yeah. And now your host, the Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum. Foreclosure Deals Coach Podcast. I am your host and Foreclosure Deals Coach, Donnie Corum, recording with my executive producer, Mr. Jonathan Winston, up in the studio. What up, baby? Hey, what's going on, everybody? It is a beautiful day. What's going on, Donnie? Glad to be here, listening up, learning more about the real estate. Uh, let me see. What was um, uh, uh, summer is almost over? Yeah, summer is almost over. That is um, you know, it's uh, when we're recording this now. It is the end, or uh, we just passed Labor Day, um, and I don't even think I got in the pool this whole summer. No, like, yeah, I was just. I think I'm a little bit depressed, so I'm gonna have to change that. I like had to be like, I had to be all like you know one upping you, but I bought a house with a pool. Hey man, the summer it's like I actually I actually stayed in my own pool. Man, you know like I've just I just got I just got to level up. That just means you got to twenty twenty three. First of all, I can't miss the pool. Second of all, I should probably <laughs> look into be buying something with a pool. Let's let's <laughs> let's make that saying, a goal. Right? Let's make that a goal. Yeah, you know we bought a place in Melbourne Village, Florida. Um, just I mean inside Melbourne, but it's like this really. Tucked in neighborhood of trees, and, and it's it's hard to describe. You got to see it if you know anything about Melbourne Village. Shout out on the on the on the page sometime, but really cool area. Anyway, house has a pool, got a stellar deal on it, paid four seventy four or something like that. Retails like mid sixes on it, and we are looking to Airbnb that out for a little bit. Nice, and then we're gonna you know we'll be back and forth, moving back and forth there. Uh, from Colorado and doing some deals down there because the market uh, is pretty crazy down in Florida. So we're, we're looking looking forward to that. And also, I complain every year on this show about how cold it's getting to be that time of year. It is almost. outside Uh-oh. this year. I ain't doing it. <laughs> This year, I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be on the air complaining to y'all about how cold I am. I'm gonna be recording that you're gonna hear waves crashing in the background, lapping in the pool. People, that, that's oh, right. Would you like a margarita? I'm making a couple in here in the house. Don't mind the blender. All right, let's get to it before we get to it, <laughs> because this is how it goes. CNBC, one of our favorite sources of real estate news. Uh, reports that first-time home buyers show more demand for mortgages even as interest rates rise. Key points from this is the average contract interest rate for 30-year fixed mortgages uh, increased from to 5.65 for 5.45, and that's a big jump from what it was six months ago when it would have been in the late threes, early fours, but we've seen some increases. And then purchase results, conventional applications dropped 2%, and government applications increased um 
4%. So FHA and VA is taking off, which is generally a sign of more first-time homebuyer activity, which was from Joel Cannon, MBA economist. So what is the takeaway here? Well, the obviously, we're in a bit of, actually, a previous show, we talked about being in the great financial crisis of 2023, which hasn't even happened yet. Right? That's what they're naming it. They're starting to give it a name, which is always wonderful for press. You can really run with that. But there's still this demand in first-time home buyers. Now, that's critical because we're here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, which went up by almost 40% in the past two years. Okay, So the amount of increase really knocked a lot of first-time home buyers out of the game. Whereas you could have bought a pretty nice median-priced home in the mid to late 300 range, a year or two ago, today a median price home in Colorado Springs is about five hundred, maybe five hundred twenty-five thousand. Right? Denver suffered worse. Right? They were in the late fives already, and now they're in the like the late sixes, early seven range. Right? Which is. Let's just say it. It's preposterous. It's preposterous that things went up that high. So a lot of people who are trying to buy their first home just are looking at the market now, and they're going, it just isn't going to happen. So what does that mean for us as the real estate investor? Well, affordable entry-level homes, if we're seeing activity in the entry-level home product, the first-time home buyer product, that's where we got to be focusing our efforts. Right. Okay? And that goes for whether you're a, a real estate agent, you're a wholesaler, you're a flipper like we are here, you've got to start looking at where the market is going to be moving. So what did we do? Well, we started looking at the Pueblo market. And Pueblo's kind of funny because we make fun of Pueblo, or at least we have for at least the last 10 Multiple. to 20 years. We, we, yeah, yeah like, a long time. Yeah, like there's Pueblo, they're like, but Pueblo sucks. Like, literally, you can, if you say Pueblo somebody in Springs, they will follow up with, but Pueblo sucks, like, right yeah, afterwards, right? It's like a slogan, almost. Because Pueblo sucks, right? But Pueblo is still a place where you can buy, I'm sorry, Pueblo, if you're listening to this you, show and you're you, in Pueblo. You people down there are like, all you, right. Individually, you're all right. It's, it's your city. That, yeah, not much to offer. Yeah, anyway, the point is, is we're still buying houses in Pueblo. Right. My, my, uh, my finance guy, Mike, I hope you're listening, Mike, he calls it Pueblo. He says Pueblo. You can't get that. You can't get the extra e. <laughs> it's Pueblo every time he says it. Um, we're still buying homes in the early hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty thousand dollar bracket, and we put one on the market uh, about uh, almost. I mean, we're, we, we closed on it last week, so it had to be just shy of a month ago. It had five showings inside of a day. Mm-hmm. Went ten thousand dollars over asking price. Hmm. Uh, they waived their inspection. All the crazy stuff that we saw, and by the way, don't recommend, yeah. um, in the Colorado Springs market is now happening in Pueblo. Right? And this article that is kind of going in to say that the affordable housing has not gone down and because there's just a floor, people are going to have to buy houses. Right? You can't go below a certain amount. To buy to get a property, people have to buy. Otherwise, we just have a whole market of renters, and that would take out the ability to, to build houses. Our entire economy is driven by home buying. If you haven't noticed, the federal government has made their full time job promoting and maintaining housing ever since like the 1960s, even before that. But the FHA was invested in the 1960s because at the time before the FHA, it was 20 percent down for you to buy a house. Well, when houses were going for four. 40 or 50 grand, that was painful. Yeah, but you know. But it was doable. Like you, you could put $10,000 together, yeah, right? Figure it out. When houses started to go to 300 and 400 grand, 
that 20% got painful. So the FHA stepped in and they made it so you could put a 3.5%, well, it's actually a 3% down payment. Then Bush got involved. He decided that he wanted to protect housing by increasing the debt. It's a long story. But it went from 3 to 3.5, which was a total waste of time, and it made calculating the down payment substantially harder for no good reason, right? Because 3% agents can do that in their head because that was their commission, right? Like 300,000, 9,000 bucks. 400,000, 12,000 bucks, right? It was very easy. Suddenly, 3.5, like, ow, W, what are you doing, man? Just because he wanted a jackal. It's a pretty funny situation. Anyway, so we have always protected housing in this country, and that's not going to stop. I can guarantee you this. If we are in the great financial crisis of 2023, Mm -hmm. the government will find a way to screw that up, too. And, and the way they will do that is they'll stimulate the housing economy. I give you the Barack Obama era, which was about 2010, 2011, where we're like, well, housing slowed down. What are we going to do? Let's offer people $8,000 in cash to buy a house. And it seemed like a really good idea, right? right? And for a while, a young real estate agent back then got my license a few years prior. I was like, this is amazing. People are banging down my door going, I want the $8,000. I'm like, you know, you got to buy a house, right? Like, yeah, sure, that's cool, too. But where do I get my $8,000, right? Like, you got to sign for Never mind. Okay, let's do it. But we got it done a lot of times. But what happened was, like, what everything happens when the government goes in and tries to stimulate the economy. Mm -hmm. Immediately after the $8,000 tax credit went by the wayside, the economy stagnated for the exact same amount of time it took to build the $8,000 tax credit up. Hmm. So my point is the economy is it's elastic, right? You pull it one direction or the other, it always manages to snap back. If you just left it alone, I assure you capitalism and the American way would figure things out. We would just build more tiny homes. Like We would figure out other right. ways to solve this problem. Unfortunately, we always do screw with this as a government and an economy, and as a result, you're always trying to correct the economy. When they lowered interest rates to the twos, which I remember a long time ago saying, ill-advised, kind of stupid, we're going to pay for this later. Yeah, I don't know about that. Two, 2% is pretty low, bro. It's pretty low. It was awesome. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, you know, we but, liked it. But was it a good idea? No. It was not a good idea because now we're paying for it. Interest rates have snapped to much higher rates, okay, which have not only with the increased prices knocked out first-time home buyers, but now you've got increased prices and you've got higher rates because now we're at 5 or 6% for those same first-time home buyers. So where is an investor to go to find safe haven from all this nonsense? Cheaper housing. And as long as the country has been in existence, that's been the case. Pretty much everybody, you know, my age or really close can think back to when their town was a small right. environment, right? Well, there's only one Walmart, right? And now, you know, you have these major metropolitan districts because the population has grown and cities are, are growing rapidly. Well, there was a time where Colorado Springs was super affordable. It just isn't anymore. So people are going to have to go somewhere else. And the cities that come to mind or Pueblo. When Pueblo sucks, that ain't going to change. That's where people are going to go. All right, maybe right? it'll get a little bit better. Calhan, Yoder, there's a lot of small cities. See, the right, problem is yeah. when you describe Colorado, all you think of is Denver. And you got Denver, and you got the. It's like Denver mountains, like people, right. and it's like what the mountains aren't right in Denver. Like I can't just right. go. Like it's, it, yeah, I don't know. People don't really understand that there's other places, there other cities in Colorado, right? right? So that that's been the challenge. You think of Denver, but Denver got way too expensive a long time ago. Is that uncommon? No, look mm-hmm. at L.A. 
Right? Look at right. Los Angeles. You don't when you think of California, you you definitely think of Los Angeles, but not like, like as a whole. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch of other little cities, a lot of crappy little cities all over California. Right? When you think of New York, sure, your mind wanders to the city, New York City. Mm-hmm. Right, but there are a bunch of other small places in New York that are doing just fine during this crisis and this change. Well, in Colorado, it used to be Denver was like the really expensive city, and Colorado Springs was affordable. You just had to drive an hour to get to Denver. Right. Right. Well, now Pueblo is only thirty miles south of Colorado Springs, Springs. and then you got Canyon City, and there's never been any valid reason for me to go to Canyon City. I can't think of any reason I'd want to go. To Canyon yeah. City. Driving down the Pueblo is hard enough. Then you right. gotta like go. It's another half an hour. Yeah, it's like, ugh, I don't know, man. Right? But the, as you say it, you gotta understand if you are willing to <laughs> dominate this market, that's where you're gonna need to be, you though. You need to be right now. You're gonna have yeah. to go to these smaller markets and go, where are people able to afford housing? Not where do people want to live? That, that's right. an important dissertation between a rising market and a falling market, okay? In times of amazingness, pretty much everybody, myself included, wants to live in. In the heart of downtown Denver. Right. Right? I lived in the Spire building on the 14th, 14th Street. I had the convention center there. At the time, it was the Pepsi Center. Now it's the ball arena. And all the sports, all the music, everything I wanted in one central location. But it was expensive to live there. I was in a spot where I could afford it. But there was a lot of people who weren't. And they were forced to migrate out of the city. Right? And Denver has a bunch of little small suburbs. One example that comes to mind is the Aurora area, which was considered to be the straight-up hood not five, six years ago. Now Aurora's got really nice houses, right. right? great properties, easy access to other parts of the city as they figure out the transport system. The point is, is because humankind spreads like a, a virus, I guess for lack of a better term, there's a scene in the Matrix. Yeah, sorry, Mother Earth. Right? He's talking to Morpheus and he goes, you humans are like a virus. <laughs> Ouch, agents. Man. Right, that's kinda, that's kinda, hurts, it was brutal the way, but he was right. We keep spreading out. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Donnie Corum, your foreclosure deals coach. One of the things we talk about on the show is the importance of great foreclosure data and helping you to find a great deal on a foreclosure property. But where do you find this data? You're certainly not going to find it on Realtor.com. You can't get it on your local MLS. So we have partnered with data provider Foreclosures.com to get you the latest and greatest in foreclosure listings right there in your local market. These properties are not hit the market in most cases, and when they have been foreclosed, gives you easy access to find out more detail so you can get the best deal on a foreclosure property. Getting started is super easy. Head on out to foreclosuredealscoach.com and click on the link labeled foreclosure list. Enter your zip code for a free seven-day trial of the best foreclosure listing data available in your local market. These properties are not even on the market yet, so you can get a jump on them and get a great deal. Once again, this is Donnie Corm, your foreclosure deals coach. We'll look forward to seeing you there. So you as an investor can't lament in the fact that, man, I can't even afford to live in my home city anymore, bro. That's whack. Every time somebody says to me, I just want to backhand. I'm like, we're not slowing down the progress of the economy because it's inconvenient for you. And your economics didn't keep up with it. I get it. I, I I long for parts of my childhood memories of Colorado Springs, Colorado, but only like a handful of them, right? Like right. A couple things that were cool, we were a smaller city. But we haven't stopped making people. Y'all know what causes that, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you want to stop that. Right? Because it's too much fun. We ain't giving it up. <laughs> for sure. Right? So we're creating more people. We're not creating more land. 
So we were being forced to spread out. As a real estate investor, your mission in life right now is to start looking at these nearby cities around the big metropolitan districts mm-hmm. that grew too fast and got too expensive and finding out where people are going to go. Now, one of the reasons those cities suffered back in the day was nobody wanted to commute. Right. Right? Your reasoning for not wanting to live in the outskirts of Denver was because you had to get to work in the city. Traffic's terrible. People yeah. are terrible. Cars yeah. are congested. Nobody wanted that. I live right in the center of the city. I used to make fun of my friend. Like, hey, I'm going to the Nuggets game. Y'all want to come? Ah, oh, man, I ain't I trying to deal with that traffic. I never worried about it, but I understood. What happened recently, well, this is the one benefit. I mean, there are a couple of benefits of coronavirus, but one of the benefits of that crazy-ass disease <laughs> Was we learned how to work from home. Remote working. Right. Upwork is an entire business that was built on the notion that the future workforce is not only going to work from home, they're going to work for home for themselves. If you haven't read it already or listened to it, you all should get uh, The Four Hour Work Week by yes. Tim Ferriss. Great book. Great book. He was talking about remote working and all that stuff in 2004. Wow. And, you know, that's like when that book was originally written. And, you know, all the same principles and things that he's talking about, they still apply. And the only thing difference now is that they're at scale and that they're some of them are probably even easier to implement than, than what we're doing there now. So we got to take advantage of it. I want to meet with people now. I don't go, hey, you want to come to my office? I ship up my Zoom link. Let's just do the Zoom, man. Let's just make it simple. Right? It's easy. You don't have to leave where you're at. I'll be, I'm more comfortable in my home office. Like that, right. that's, that's not only the future. That's the present. That's now. Kids have learned to go to school online because they had to do coronavirus. I don't think they were very effective. I know I wouldn't have been yeah, because no. you got two screens up. My PlayStation's on the TV here right. and my teacher's on the other one. So I knew I wouldn't have gotten anything done in that environment. But my kids, they are amazing at teleworking right now. I'm hmm. logging into their online homework portal, having conversations with their teacher. I got to weigh with their teacher. To, and they're still going to class, but the telework system has gotten so dialed in, to your right. point, that it's become part of their normal. And that really happened over the year and a half, two years that we struggled with the coronavirus epidemic, pandemic, whatever we called it at the time. Yeah. Right? And again, more definitions and more terms that usually just get changed when they aren't as conveniently right. uh, needed in the moment. Absolutely. So the commute thing is no longer going to be an excuse. Now you're going to live where you want to live. Mm-hmm. Because you're no longer going to the office to get stuff done. The, I guess, the knowledge workers of the world, which make up a very large percentage. This was not the case in the industrial era. This was not the case in the agricultural era. That was the previous time frames in, in U.S. history where the farmers had to show up and work on their field physically or the factory workers had to commute to the factory to get that done. Today, the majority, I would imagine, of workers are now knowledge workers. They're using right. their brain. Like if you call Apple customer support right now and God help you, if you got to do that, because you know, it's a process, you're going right. to be on the phone for a while. Yeah. Right. But you're not talking to a dude who's working at Steve Jobs, super impressive, hyper campus in, right. in San Jose. You're talking to some guy who's, you know, probably got his feet kicked up on his chair right now. Exactly. And he's walking you through how you bricked your iPhone, secretly making fun of you behind the scenes. <laughs> Hold on. Let me put this on. Let me put you on hold for a minute. This dude is an idiot. <laughs> Why were you standing over a lake trying to take pictures with that girl? <laughs> so telework 
parking is taking off is the point. So that's not going to be a reason why people don't move to cities. As a matter of fact, I think, and I talk to people all the time who are lamenting for Old Town, Colorado Springs, and going, it's getting too busy here. The traffic sucks. People in Denver have felt that way for years. <laughs> it was right? quite the culture shock coming from Oklahoma to Denver. I would with, imagine. With, uh, just the traffic alone. It, it, it messes with your system, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're coming from a Dallas where traffic has been that way forever, or New yeah. York or L.A., et cetera, but a lot of people who move to big cities are like, you know, either you're really into it, and I'm really into it because I'm a city boy, or you just hate it. But I think you're going to see a vast migration into getting into wide open spaces. And some of it will be by desire, and some of it will be by necessity, okay? The water supply, the air supply, mm-hmm. there are certain things you are not going to be able to get in the city as regularly because it's condensed and it's being used, and it's going to come as a premium. Think I'm bluffing? Have you noticed what your electric bills have done recently? You've been keeping track of your water bill over the last couple of years? All the way up. All the way up, right? So the cost of these things is going to go up. So what's the solution there? Cost of living may require moving to more rural districts. you got to get in front of this, man. You got you to decide it's happening anyway. Pueblo's not going to stop sucking anytime soon. But what you can do is invest in the markets that you would have not contemplated investing in in the past. And that's fearful because it adds to your commute as an investor. You got to go see these properties. You're going to be driving for dollars a lot more. You're just going to be driving farther for dollars than you ever have in the past. Right, And that's going to change because you can call more effectively than you can drive there. You can do Google Maps and you can walk through the property's neighborhood without ever going to the property. There are ways you can supplement that using technology, but understand that if you're going to invest in the long term future of real estate, you're going to want to get out in front of this and start getting to these feeder markets because this whole purpose of this was that first time home buyers haven't gone anywhere. Okay, they are still looking at the market right now and going, well, rates are up, prices are up. I may need to start looking at $250,000 properties, right? Because that's all I can afford. Instead of four or five hundred thousand dollar properties in the city that I work or I'm from, in and if you're providing a here's the other upside of those these little cities they got crappier houses right Pueblo right. sucks because they got crappy houses right turn of the century right. weren't built very well back then right so you're coming in you're refreshing those properties you're making them a better place to live you're modernizing them. and listen the tech package is going to get way more important to this generation right exactly with the remote working you got to be able to have a house that uh, supports that. 100%. So, internet's got to be spot on, right? There's no need to put Ethernet throughout the house anymore because you've got Wi-Fi as a pretty solid medium, right? right? But you're going to want to slap the ring doorbells on there. You're going to put the cameras up. The tech packages cost pennies on the dollar compared to what they used to call, cost to buy, much less install, which you can basically do yourself. This is going to be your value proposition to your first-time home buyer, not only... Am I selling you a house you could actually afford, but it's got a lot of the amenities that the that the more expensive houses don't have. Right. Right? Your ring doorbell's already installed. Your Wi-Fi enabled lock is already on there. Your Nest thermostat you control from your phone. This generation really wants that. Right? When you're buying a car right now, are you focusing on the miles per gallon anymore? Or are you focusing on the navigation system in the phone? Man, you probably need that navigation system. And if not, you're uh, focusing on the charge ports that are uh, available or in your area. With- 100%. Right? Tesla built an entire car around a technology platform. Hmm. Right? The car itself is awesome, but the technology that went into that car, autopilot, Massive, like, iPad-level screens on the dash, right? Mm -hmm. That's what changed the game for Tesla was the tech package. The same will apply to housing. There's a lot of technology that houses are going to need to be retrofitted with. 
just to stay current. Okay. Can you imagine? Well, some of you can, but can you imagine a life without a cell phone? Right. Well, that's the same thing that's going to apply to life without a ring doorbell Right. here in the next generation. What do you mean you can't see your front door right now? Right. Don't you need, don't you need to know who's at your house? Right. Like, are you crazy? You don't have a camera in your house yet. Yeah. Right. These first time home buyers are going to expect that. So you've got to provide those parts of the house. And what you'd be shocked is a moderate remodel on a fully teched out house will get a better result right, than a fully remodeled house that doesn't have the tech package. Mm-hmm. Right, so focus your energies on on other places because the first time home buyers are going to dictate the market. The old population, the homeowners who've had home for years, they're going to stay put a lot more, and we're seeing that in the Florida market right now. We got a lot of old people out there. God bless you, but the average age of a resident in Melbourne, Florida, is like sixty three years old. Oh wow! So those people are going to die. And I don't mean to be mean, they just are. And when they are, when they die, they're going to leave behind antiquated, outdated, untech homes that it's going to be very easy to swoop in and go, well, the tech package is easy, but then you got to do what we confectionally call the Apple theme, the gray walls, the white trim, right? right? You're going to modernize the look. You're going to put the white cabinets in because oak went out a long time ago or whatever happens to be modern at the time. We're seeing a lot of blue cabinets. Right. The point is you're going to be able to take those homes and give them a new fresh coat of paint, a new fresh look and a technology package very cost effectively. And first time homeowners are going to beat down your door to get there. But first you got to source these deals. You're going to know where to buy these deals, where to go to get them. And to get started on that, you're going to get a copy of the book, The Hidden Foreclosure Deals Market. Easy to access. Go to foreclosuredealscoach.com. Download the book. Join our mailing list. Let's talk about where you can find deals right there in your local market. And then our 5F of foreclosure investing system to help you walk through the find, the fund, the fix, the flip Part of the process, I drop figure. I always do that. Yeah, because it's, it's the it's the newest F guys, and you know I'm just getting used to the find. F. You know, when we had find, you know, that was about you know looking for the deal and right. you know making sure it's a good deal. But like Donnie said before, there's a lot more to you know finding a deal and making sure that the one that you find lets you fund it and fix it and be Absolutely. able to get to the end of it than just you know doing a quick search. So that's where the figure comes from, right? Yeah, and we learned a lot of people are getting lost in deal analysis, and I, right. I guess the reason I didn't originally put it as an F we started because I do deal analysis like mentally like that's my entire gig and it has been for 17 years so I take it for granted right. that's a lot I got to teach in that space so we added a whole nother F inside the course the figure which goes deep dives into deal analysis and you're going to be able to utilize that course to learn how to do it doesn't matter how many deals you find I'll be frank with you finding deals people have thought that was a problem for the past few years the real problem was analyzing those deals effectively a lot of people jumped into wholesaling about any idea Idea on how to do deal analysis. Mm-hmm. So we just started really coaching and mentoring on that, really taught our wholesalers how to bring us deals that we would buy because the analysis was already done. You know, but you need certain tools for that. We love using Privy to do our deal analysis or the MLS, but you got to get signed up with these things. And I would just recommend you get coaching and mentorship and guidance to really take advantage of the market that's coming up. What you're going to pay for coaching, you will double or triple or quadruple quickly in a market where we're heading to right now. The time is now. The market is changing before our eyes. And the first time home buyers are coming back, that was my favorite people to sell to because they're excited about everything. Right. They're just excited that they're getting a house. I remember being a first-time homebuyer. Cater to those people with less expensive houses in more affordable markets, and you're going to make a lot of money creating new markets as opposed to waiting for the market to settle down 
and hit the bottom so you can buy back in in your local market. Mm-hmm. Don't wait. You ain't going to make it. Now's the time to get involved. With that, that's our show for today. My name is Donnie Corum. I'm your foreclosure deals coach, thanking you each and every week for tuning in and learning more about the real estate investing market and reminding you now and always, don't buy a house, baby. Buy a deal. Want more of the Foreclosure Deals Coach? Like our Facebook page, Foreclosure Deals Coach, for the latest in real estate and foreclosure investing. Become a part of our community. Search Foreclosure Deals Coach on Facebook to join today.